Hello. How's everybody doing? Nope. Hello. How is everybody doing? I didn't hear anything from the corporate boxes back there. That's, I'm not going to call you the overflow. It's like the corporate box seats. That's what you have. You have great, Josh will take care of every single one of your needs. Just look at Josh, ask him what he needs. He'll run out and get it. He is DoorDash. So it's awesome. Isn't it great? Guys, it was great. I've been so blessed today. So I got here early enough to hear the band start to play, and it wasn't like they missed a beat, literally and figuratively. It was amazing. And I can't tell you how great that feels just to have everybody, Bonnie, Lou, and Bill are here. Oh, my God. Man, we missed you. Alan and Christina and their kids from California, they've been watching us online. They're back in the corporate seats. They're here for the first time in person. This is awesome. This, this is what it's all about. And it's not just that we have to be here in person, but being here with God and being here with each other. And so thank you, Randy. That was great. Brian, thank you for the hair toss. That was awesome too. Um, so hey, if you haven't grabbed your Bible, grab a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We can get you a Bible. There's some in here. There's some out there. Um, really encourage you all throughout this, this series that we would bring the same Bible, bring a notebook, and make sure you're writing notes all the way through. Because as new creation people, you're going to find out in two or three years, you're going to come back to Ephesians, and it's going to be really cool to see what you wrote. And you're really going to enjoy that. And God may give you more than what we can give you in one day. So please bring your Bibles. If you want to use your phones, that's fine. But just don't use a permanent marker when you're writing. It just doesn't come off unless, oh, come on, help me out here. Come on, it's a great day. There you go. All right, so... We're going to look back at what we did. We've been talking about what Paul is talking to the people of Ephesus and how they are in Christ and how Christ has seated them. And they're in this city that's this, this culture of everything, kind of like our culture, all different beliefs, all different morals, all these different things happening. And Paul's trying to say, you know what? There's an answer. This is what it is. And Paul very systematically explains that. So we're going through that as you move through that. God wants us to know about our calling, our inheritance, and our blessings. And then what do we do with that? So today we're going to read a passage that a lot of you know by heart, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. A lot of us have this memorized. Um, we're going to start a little bit farther back in this. So if you would, just stand with me and let's, let's read God's word together. I've just been so pleased we've been doing this lately. If you're online, stand up, read it with us. No, I'm waiting. Thank you. All right. So we're going to start at Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in our transgression, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God, just thank you for your word. I thank you for my brothers and sisters that are here and online. I thank you that you are present every single second of the day in our lives. And God, I just ask you to fill this place with spirit, 
I feel you in here already, Holy Spirit. Thank you for filling this place. Fill us so that we understand what you want us to learn and give us the courage to act on it. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, Brian focused on salvation and the terrible predicament we're in. And I remember even the first time I heard the terrible predicament thing last week, I looked up because I was like back there in the corporate box too. And, and it is a predicament. It's a predicament because unless we know who God is and are saved, we're in this, this place of eternal loss. And it's frustrating for all of us because without God being the focus of our faith, we really have nothing to stand on. And so Brian covered a lot of this last week, but I want to hit this first part a little bit more because I really think that God wants us to understand and emphasize how much he loves us, how much he loves you, how much he loves me, our kids, our neighbors, the ones that don't love us, the ones that don't love him. He wants to let us know that because we can't save ourselves. We try, right? Who's played the lottery this week? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. Who's counting on an election to save you? Doesn't matter what side you're on, right? People can't save us. Political parties can't save us. Governments can't save us. Nations can't save us. In fact, I look around and even the 0027 can't save us. If you're on Facebook and you watch that, you'll get my point. It's not working without God. We get glimpses of hope, but those hopes quickly disappear because our faith isn't based in the one who gives us faith. Let's focus a little bit in Ephesians. So if we look at Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. As I mentioned, Paul was pretty smart. Paul is very smart. He knew a lot of languages. He used to be a high-ranking Jewish official. And when he's talking to the people of Ephesus, he wasn't talking to just like people like me. He was talking to like really smart people, philosophers, and then also to the people that dug the ditches. So his words he chose were very important so that he could give this letter to them because he's just writing it. So we want to make sure they truly understand what he was saying. So we're gonna, I'm going to try a little Greek here. Um, I'm sorry, Alex. You'll have to correct me later. So whatever I say wrong, just keep an eye on Alex. He'll shake his head, and he's way in the back, and he'll let you know what it's supposed to say. So we're going to start out with, with the word for grace, and it's charis, right? And it is a matter of act. What I like about it is it has two roots. One is kara, which means joy, and one is kairo, which means rejoice. Isn't it interesting that the very thing that grace that we bring up right away, they understood as joy, joyful rejoicing. It also means kindness in some places, and life, and love and forgiveness. So immediately in our passage, Paul lets us know that by his kindness and love and life, we should be rejoicing. The next word we're going to look at is saved, and that's sozo. And 
It literally means saved from a physical or spiritual death. It's really a simple one. And as Brian talked about that last week, that predicament is that we're spiritually dead before we know Christ. None of us were born Christians. And that's that predicament. And so that sozo, you were saved. I literally gave you new life. There's one translation that I love, and this is a lot of times um, how it was translated to some cultures. It simply is to cause to have a new heart. And that's how they translate it. So by grace, God caused you to have a new heart. The next word is faith. That's pistis. And it's faith, it's trust, reliance. The kind of reliance we have a lot of times on our light switch, right? We always have that in youth group. Do you trust it? That's faith. But we can't have faith in a life switch. We can't have faith in some of the things we have faith in. And when Paul's talking to the people of Ephesus about this, his words are, you did not earn your salvation. You cannot earn your salvation. There's no way to earn salvation. We can try, but too often as Christians, we try to earn that salvation or prove that salvation. It's a gift. Like if I had a gift, right? I have this big, pretty box, and I walk up to Hannah over here because I haven't walked on this side yet. And I said, Hannah, I have a gift to you. And I reach out to Hannah, and Hannah goes, I don't want that gift because Hannah knows me. <laughs> I go, oh, Hannah, no, it's a good gift. And, hey, oh, God, take it. Okay, give me 25 bucks for it. That's no longer a gift, is it? Or what if Hannah says, well, no, I've got to earn that gift. What can I do? I go, no, you can't earn it. Just take it. And so often as Christians and non-Christians, that's that argument. I don't want that. Or Hannah says, I don't deserve the gift, which you do. It'd be a nice gift, I promise. <laughs> right? But we say, I don't deserve it, or it doesn't belong to me, or I didn't earn it. Or else we say, it's not good enough for me. I've already done this, 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 and this. And be honest, we've all thought that way. At some point in life, in our Christian walk, we've thought about how do we take that gift and make it is. But you see, whatever we do to earn that gift doesn't matter because our works will never compare to God's grace. It's impossible. There's nothing I can do. If I was perfect in everything I did, I still couldn't earn God's grace. I can take it. It's not a bell curve, people. It's pass-fail. And we always fail. That's why it's so important as we talk about this and understand this gift of grace to us, and I know I'm hitting it very hard, but I think as we walk very long with Jesus, whether we're new or old, we start to take it for granted, that gift, and we try to start earning it. This is cool, and I'm, and I'm going to give this to you, but here's the deal. I didn't make a slide for this, so if you didn't be a pen, bring a pen and paper today, this is your object lesson, okay? I'm going to give you three verses I want you to look up at some point, not now while I'm talking. Um, Acts chapter 3, verse 16, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, and Galatians chapter 3, 22. And there's other verses, but what you're going to find out is faith is a gift too, Everything we need for salvation was given to us. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Amen. 
Thank you. Give me an amen. That is so cool. By grace you are saved through faith. Is the gift of God. Grace is given to us. Salvation is given to us. The faith we need to accept it is given to us. So what I want to make sure is we all understand is that you were bestowed just a wonderful gift. Better than anything you could ever receive. Freely. Let's continue on in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. More Greek. The word for workmanship, poema, is not a word of like, hey, Mark Popenegan took a hammer and built something because then Mark Arnett would have to come up and fix it. Not that kind of workmanship. But the kind of workmanship of an artist that creates a, a masterpiece. If you notice, it has the same base you get in poem and poetry. God intentionally created each of you perfectly. I'm art. See? That's why I like the front row. Thank you, Sarah, and I love the new haircut. It looks awesome. We are our workmanship, right? That's art. You see, God designed us to be masterpieces to do his work. Each of us are designed to be masterpieces to do his work. Even if you've never accepted Christ, even if you've never thought of him, you are still designed as a masterpiece to do his work. Some of us, who likes poetry? Raise your hand. Sure. Who kind of likes poetry? Yeah, who doesn't like poetry? Yeah, okay. Josh jumped out of his seat. Couldn't say him. Um, so, for the people who love poetry, there's great poets. They're created to write great poetry for those people, right? For athletes, because I don't like poetry, I, mean, I like for sports, God made athletes masterpieces that can express his will and do things for him. Programmers, camera guys, musicians, artists, carpet layers, plumbers. God bless plumbers. All these things, dentists, counselors, everybody. He made these things because we are masterpieces to do his work. You are a masterpiece. You're not getting it. This is what we're going to do. This little exercise in inspirational speaking. You're going to look at the person next to you and you're going to say, you are a masterpiece. And they're going to say, I am. And then you're going to say it back, you are a masterpiece. And they're going to say, I am. Front row's listening again. All right, let's give it a shot. Look at the person next to you and say, you are a masterpiece. Okay, other side. This is one of the reasons I quit doing inspirational speaking. Because sometimes you just don't take this stuff seriously. So this time we're going to take it really seriously. And I'm going I'm to talk to the people online and on podcasts right now to you. And this is what I want you to do. Before you speak, I want you to stop and think, God wants me to tell them something. I want to tell you that God wants you to know you are a masterpiece. And as I say it, I'm going to say it with every belief in that the word of God is true. 
that you are a masterpiece. And then you're going to accept it and you're going to say, I am. Because your insecurities don't matter. It's the truth. Your doubts don't matter. It's the truth. It says it. You are a masterpiece. So we're going to try it again. Let's keep the giggles down to a minimum. You ready? Try it one more time and say it and mean it and accept it. Did that feel good? Did it feel good? Did you feel God? Do you understand the truth in this? We have to grasp this. We really do because a lot of us don't believe it. You're created perfectly the way you were meant to be created. That'll make more sense here in a little bit. So let's go back a little bit and look again at this section as a whole then. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God now, as a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship or masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared before that so we could walk in them. You're a masterpiece. You're saved by grace, which is kindness and love. You're saved, which is cause to have a new heart. And you're given faith so that you can rely on the God that brought you here. I noticed in this passage, still up there, could you put that back up, please? I'm sorry. We can't claim our salvation as a work. But when God's involved, it's a good work. I did a lot of study on this. And they don't necessarily know Paul meant to do this. Some do, some don't. I'm going to think Paul does because Paul's really smart. There's a difference between my works and God's good works. We talked about this a little bit when we did the Sabbath stuff, but when we were created and left Eden, we went out and worked the field until we turned into dust. Those are our works. That's a human work. I do the same job every day. I do it the next day. Some days it feels great. Some days I'm just doing the same thing over and over. And really, does it accomplish anything? Does my life have purpose? What am I doing? Why am I in this job? Does this sound familiar to anyone? Right? Good, the Greek word agathos, is good in a physical and moral sense which produces benefits. I can be the best marketing guy in the world. I'm not saying that's benefiting anybody. If God works through me, I'm benefiting eternity. Make sense? You as a masterpiece, when you do God's good works, you're making eternal differences in God's kingdom. What are dead works? This always comes up. It's a very Christian thing. That's a dead work. That's a dead work. I hate that word. This is a dead work. Anything God doesn't want you to do. That's the safe definition. But what's also is, sometimes it's a good thing, right? I don't know if God asked me to take out the trash twice a day, but it's probably a good thing, right? I don't say it's necessarily a dead work. But if I know that God wants me to do something and I do something else, 
and avoid that, then it might be a dead work. Okay, I'm not going to get too persnickety about this because God tells us, right? In addition, there's this whole God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. I'm not going to address the Calvinism, Arminianism issue here, whether it's predestination or free choice. I'm going to say this, and again, Alex is having a wonderful theology class that I recommend. He'll correct anything that I brought up today, okay? When we were created, God looked at us and said we were? When we were created, God looked at us and said we were? Good. He didn't say, you're all good except for Mark. Don't trust this Mark guy. My Mark. You're a good Mark. Yeah, you're good. Right? Um, he didn't say that. Right? And later he looks at us and he goes, you know what? I predestined you. And he's writing, but God did this too, and he's predestined everyone. My choice was, do I take the gift or say no? That's my choice. So on Friday morning at 6.30 a.m., out on the wonderful Rock Creek Church patio, which looks like a parking lot, the men meet every Friday, 6.30 a.m., at Access, to sit out there and talk about life and God and men. What time? Yeah, this is a plug. If you haven't been there, join us. 6.30 a.m. on Friday, great sunset. Um, get here early enough. You don't have to face sunrise. You don't have to face east. I'm not a morning person, but I'm there. So out there we're talking, and we're talking this week about Jesus in his culture and us in our culture, right? And we're reading this book called The Christian Man. It's by Patrick Morley. Um, if you haven't joined us yet, don't worry, we haven't gotten too far. You have plenty of time to catch up. We've only been reading it for, what, three years now? It's a great book. We just take really deep bites into it. Um, but we're reading this, and there's this note he made to, and we were talking about it, is that if you took all of Jesus' sermons and just said them out loud over three years, it's five hours of teaching. Right? The ones that are recorded. Now, yes, John did say that if we wrote them all down, it would take the whole world to hold them. Healings, miracles, and stuff. But five hours of teaching were included in the Bible. But what also is included then, more of it is that Jesus was out doing things in his world that are good works. He was healing. He was touching the untouchable. He didn't care if he had COVID or leprosy. He would have hugged us. Don't hug anybody. I did not say it was okay to hug anybody. Um, <laughs> he was healing people. He was loving people. He was being with people of all kinds. He was doing God's work. That's all he was doing. I have a couple stories for you today. I'm going to share them with you, not because any other reason than sometimes I think it's nice to hear real life stories, not that Jesus' stories weren't. So we used to go, back when I was a home church pastor in Kansas City, every year to this thing called the Topeka Fire Conference. And it was like an awesome conference. And this one year we decided to go, me and a couple friends, we brought our daughters, Ellie and her friend, they must have been around third, fourth grade, somewhere in there. And we were camping at the Walmart in their trailer because we were too cheap to buy a hotel room and because you can camp there for free, right? So we were like, bonus, breakfast every day, free bathrooms. Um, so 
we go off, we had this great day of this conference, this whole day we're talking about healing and faith and prayer and power and God, and God can do anything. And we're driving back and we're just like, and we're all like all pumped up. Like sometimes you leave like a concert, God, I'll do anything for you. And we get back and we pull in the parking lot and here's the trailer and surrounded by about 100 people in various places. Some looked homeless. Some were in wheelchairs. Some were just standing around. A hundred people and no cars. And we're like, this is weird because none of them really looked safe. And so we got out of the car, pushed the kids inside, went in, shut the door, and said, what's that all about? And so as adults, we're in the kind of corner talking about what it could be. And these two girls were over here talking. And finally, my daughter goes, hey, dad, we just learned about praying for people and we're sitting inside this trailer? So as the pastor, I took my pride and heart out of my feet at that point and said, let's go. So we started talking to him, just talking, how you doing, what we're doing, what we're here. And what we found out was that was the day that they received their disability and social security checks And on that day, two big, huge Greyhound buses from the local casinos would pick them up and take them to the casino so they could have fun with their money. And so we just started talking to people and praying for people. I mean, praying. At one point, I was praying for this this wonderful little lady, and we were just chatting about her grandkid, and I turned on to see where my daughter was, and I looked over, and she's sitting on the lap of this elderly African-American guy wearing a Vietnam vet hat, hugging him as he cried. And I come over, I go, hey, you okay? And he goes, I haven't had anybody dare sit in my lap as a child in over 20, 30 years. And we prayed for him. About 20 minutes later, these two huge buses, and they were nice buses. I mean, they were nice buses. I wonder where they got the money. They come rolling up, and we watch the people get on them. Not all of them. About 20 or 30 left and went home. That's something Mark couldn't do. That's something Ellie couldn't do. But when we were there for this work prepared beforehand and stepped out, God did amazing things. Little kids, little kids. We were talking about this this week that Jesus was out doing God's work. And that's what we're meant to do. We're prepared beforehand. It's there, it's stepped. How many have we walked by, right? Randy, the wise one, as I call him now, just starting today. Randy, the wise one, brought up this fact that, yeah, what if we uh, just let God make our daily calendar and agenda? What would you do? Sit down in the morning instead of writing out your agenda and say, God, what do you want me to do today? And you have these big holes in it and you just pick a big circle and you go, blocked for God. I'll block two hours for lunch with someone knowing I'm only going to meet them for an hour so I have time to watch TV. That's how sad I am. What if I took that extra hour and just put blocked for God? What if I sat down and said, hey God, what's your agenda for me today? Hey God, what do you want me to do today? I know my schedule's hard and a lot of it's my fault. What do I do? 
When do I say no? When do I say yes? And then start listening. Because what Jesus did, he got up every morning and went and listened to God. Hey, Dad, what am I supposed to do today? I know I'm, I know I'm God, but this body really is a detriment. Right? Hey, God, what am I supposed to do today? Because you see, God's good work is always greater than our own. No matter what we do, our works will never match what God can do. And sometimes we think it has to be something spectacular or huge, but that's not necessarily true. See, you were made to do God's work. And the minute you accepted God's gift, you said, I will do that work. Sometimes that work is hard. Sometimes that work hurts and is dirty and smelly. But at the end of it, you always feel good. This Mark's lovely wife, Alicia, today said sometimes she felt in prayer meeting at 9.15 every day in this room. Plug for that. We'd love to have you join us. Said sometimes I feel good, it makes me feel guilty. Sometimes I wonder if Satan's saying, oh, you're taking credit. Sometimes God said, you did something good. Feel good. Feel my good. Feel my, this is what I felt like. You don't think Jesus felt good every time he healed somebody? You don't think God laughs? The angels have a party every time someone's saved. Who do you think's at the center of the party? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anything is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away. New things have come doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or where you've been. It doesn't matter if you failed. I love you too. I miss you. My minions. It's awesome. Unless I said something God didn't like. No. Um, we were meant to do God's work. You were made to do God's work. It doesn't matter where you're from or what you've done. You are new. In God, God said, here, I don't care. And every day this is true. This isn't a one time, you're new every day. His mercies renew every morning, every day, today, today. Yesterday I was bad, sorry. What can we do today? Philippians 1, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Every day, God is trying to perfect us. This verse was the verse that my pastor wrote in my Bible the day I was baptized. I didn't get it as much then. I was still feeling a little queasy. See, I was baptized as a kid, baby. I was confirmed. I did okay for a while. And then, gone. Hello, world. Not a pretty story. 
I got baptized when I was 32. I sometimes look back and lament that space up to 32, and I do. But then God always reminds me, look what I've done through you after 32. Yeah, you missed some stuff. But look what you're doing now. When I was 31, you couldn't have paid me enough money to convince me I'd be standing on this stage. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. When we accept that gift, you have the ability put inside of you to use it. And every time you use it, you notice it gets stronger and better. It's like this return every time. When you walk away, God waits, but it gets better and better and stronger every second, every time. Romans 10, 15 says, how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. So as our awesome band starts, comes up, I have one more story for you. If you haven't noticed, I work with the children. Um, it's a pretty cool gig, actually. I can wear tie-dyes. Um, I'd wear one today, but Bonnie Lou was back, and I wanted to look good. Um, so, I was working in children's church. In 2015, my mom died. Don't get to say that one. And it was, it was, you know, it's sad. It hurt, but she was hurting. She had dementia, a lot of problems. She was supposed to die, like, in 1990. So we were all, but it still, you know, it hurt. Like, we were glad to have her around. So in 2016, on Mother's Day, I'm a pastor with kids. And I'm in there, and this was just like a f- my normal day. So what'd you do for your mom? I burnt her toast. Did she eat it? Yes, awesome. What'd you do for mom? I made her coffee. Next time, use four scoops. Tell her it's from me. I colored cards. I did this. I did it. And they're all telling all these things they did. And like, I didn't do anything yet. And everybody goes, right? And so they're doing this. And I'm sitting there, and this one little girl looks at me and said, so what'd you do for your mom? And it's at that time, as a parent, a friend, a teacher, a pastor, that you're like, I don't know how to answer this question, because we were having a lot of fun right up until you asked that question. (laughs) And so I looked at her, and I went, well, don't feel bad. But my mom died last year, so I'd just been spending the day thinking about her. This little girl took a step back, and I literally saw her shoulders sweep a little bit. And then she just took the biggest three steps I've ever seen and came up and just hugged me, just grabbed my arms, pinned me and hugged me. Not one of those hugs that's too short or too long. It was like the perfect hug. Like, I can't describe it any other way. So I was like, I wonder how long... Oh, that was perfect timing. <laughs> Step back, smiled, and then ran off. Her name was Annalyn. I was really hoping she'd be here today. Um, I never told you that story. It still makes me cry. That's Annalyn's dad. She was made for that time, right? 
she went home with three kazoos, two sound things, and those clappy hand things that day. That's why Jamie's giving me that look. Um, because for by grace, you, me, by God's love and kindness, we have been saved. We have been caused to have new hearts through the faith that God has given us to stand in him. And it's not us, it's his gift. Not our works. I can't boast in my own salvation. Because I is his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. Perfect. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. God's works that God had planned for you before he created the universe because he wants you to feel his goodness he wants you to be like the Mona Lisa and you don't look at the Mona Lisa and go oh Mona Lisa I praise you you go that was an artist you know you don't look at the poem and go I praise the poem who wrote this? And we do these things, we are showing the glory of God in a way that everybody understands. And then God works through us to them. And we hope they say, yes, I'll take this gift. There's people online, there's people in this room listening right now, and you all need to know you're perfect the way God made you and he loves you. We may have to work on a few things. Right? We all have to work on a few things. Whether you're a teacher, a doctor, a student, a mom, it's good to see you too. Whatever you are, God's ready for you. And if you've made and taken that gift and made that commitment, I dare you to take the time to circle it blocked for God and just sit down. See what happens. Your phone might ring. I'd pick it up. If you haven't made that commitment and you don't know that and you're wondering, I'm just going to say, today could be the day that you'd get the best gift of your life. Today could be the day that you take something into your arms and your hands that will change the way you are forever. You might even say, because you have a new heart. And if that's you, get with Alex, Brian, me, email us, call us, Snapchat us. Do any of us have Snapchat? No, I don't think we do. Um, so whatever you need to do, but let us know. Because you're a masterpiece. We're masterpieces. It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter how young we are. But Jamie's even thinking, I can't believe my kid did that. That's so cool. At home, she kicks her brother. I kicked my brother too. Just listen. Trust. Believe. Believe you are a masterpiece. Because it's true. God, I thank you so much that you love us so much. I know sometimes I cannot comprehend that you actually make me a masterpiece. Thank you. I pray for my friends and my family here. 
God, brothers and sisters here in this room, online, listening wherever, God, that they would hear your voice whispering into their ears right now that you love them, they are your masterpiece, and you will not fail them. I pray for those that don't know you, God, that they would hear your voice saying, just come, just come. And God, as Galatians says, let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we not grow weary. So God, strengthen us with your power, your might, your glory, your grace, and the faith that you've given us to do your work wherever we're at. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.